0: All people are when you manifestations of God's word of that was built by slaves And I watch my daughters.
1: There is nobody that respects women more than I do.
0: There is a lot of crisis, a lot of bad.
1: This, what do I love when I love my God? This is a famous question asked in St. Augustine's Confessions many people through the centuries have pondered and wrestled with. But there are also, of course, many more who haven't. I've been to probably thousands of church services in my life, and I can't remember anybody ever, you know, asking that question in a sincere way. Nobody ever like interrupted the service and was like, hey, I keep hearing you guys talk about God, but I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Could you explain to me what you mean by God? You know, it's been a minute since I've done this, but I feel like I wanna lean into this right now and dive into some esoteric analogy time.
0: Esoteric analogy time.
1: If we're at a party at Bill's house, and I say to you, Isn't Bill's house nice? And then you say, yes, I'm so glad Bill has allowed us to be here. We have a shared understanding of what a Bill is. He's a guy with a house. But wouldn't it be weird if we stayed at this party for years and years and we never actually saw or heard from Bill? Everybody just keeps talking about this supposed Bill that owns this house, but he's never actually there in a way that we could all agree on? Eventually, someone would go, hey, is Bill even real? Where is he? And what if someone said, well, Bill is not really a guy in the traditional sense of the word. That's more of a metaphor or anthropomorphism. Bill really can't be relegated to only one specific place or time, you can't really perceive him directly with your senses, he transcends those sorts of limitations. And then everyone just sort of nods and goes back to the party and talking about how glad they are that Bill has allowed them to be at his house. And then you lean over and ask one of the guests, "Uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand what this Bill thing is. Do you know what we are even referring to when we're talking about Bill? And they look at you, horrified. How dare you question Bill? He's allowed us to be in his home and you have the audacity to ask what Bill is? How about who is Bill? He's the one letting us use his house. Okay, sorry. You slink away into the corner with a few other party misfits. And kind of side eye each other cautiously and then start a secret little club called the Liturgists. Okay.
0: Esoteric, analogy, esoteric, analogy, esoteric analogy time. Esoteric time it was the time for esoteric analogies.
1: Maybe you got a little carried away there. But I just do find it odd that so many people use a word like god that nobody understands we just all nod and are like yeah god good dude and then a few people look at that scenario and they're like you know what no i don't believe in god and other people see them reacting to that and are like oh my god i cannot believe that they don't believe in god and nobody knows what we're talking about <laughs> that's quite a dramatic situation so i guess today yeah i just want to ask like what are we talking about? What do we love when we love God? Yeah, sure. But also, what do we love when we love anything? Reality is like this constant flux of this like universal ocean of energy. And of course, our minds being the meaning-making supercomputers that they are, fool us into thinking that this, you know, soup of energy, this constant flux is a universe, is a thing made up of things, nouns, persons, places, and things that are all separate from each other. But there is nothing that is actually separate from anything else. Everything depends on and interacts with everything else in the universe. The separate nouns are essentially just constructs of thought and language that our brains use to make some sense of an otherwise completely meaningless soup of energy. One way to notice how much our minds influence our experience of reality is to just close your eyes and listen to the world for a bit rather than looking at it. There's this meditation that Alan Watts recorded that I, I really enjoy it where he invites you to do that, to just listen to the world. Because listening allows you to take notice of the constant change of reality in ways that can be harder to notice when you're just kind of living through your eyes. You can't see the constant swirl of atoms, the bombardment of neutrinos, or the quantum weirdness of light when you look at the world through your eyes. Because our visual cortex paints the world with these huge, broad brushstrokes in our consciousness. But when you just listen, you can really notice how nothing is static. You can't hear nouns. When you just hear the world, you can hear how everything is constant change. In the words of Mr. Watts again, everything wiggles. Now, this may all sound, you know, sort of impractical, abstract, maybe needlessly philosophical. Our world, our language, the way that we think and speak with each other is made of nouns. And even if, you know, my dog Lola isn't truly philosophically really a noun, but a verb, and active being, swirling atoms and subatomic particles which themselves are also not nouns but these fuzzy happenings wiggly happenings of flux that's not how i experience my dog right i experience her as lola my dog sure i can notice bits of change over time with her I can notice some of that flux happening over time. Maybe her, her hair gets longer. She's, she's got different moods and behaviors. But overall, my brain can create enough of a pattern to recognize her as her. There's enough predictability in the flux to make a reliable enough model of her. So me making meaning and thinking of her as Lola, a dog, actually turns out to be a helpful and lovely experience because, you know, now I get to have a pet to love, a companion. Nouns are nice, but sometimes in life, our nouns fall apart. The patterns that once felt predictable no longer work. The meaning-making constructs fall to pieces, they dissolve into that sort of meaningless soup again. And this can be an extremely painful and terrifying experience, because nouns can really give us a sense of security, of of predictability, safety. Some of you may have experienced this in your ideas and understandings about God. I certainly did losing my constructs of God. That was some of the most painful and terrifying experience of my life. But there's been another one of those painful, scary, you know, meaning losing experiences that I've been experiencing lately over the last few years. And that's been around my relationship with my wife, Lisa. Lisa and I got married when I was 19 years old. We had met in college in Christian school and did what good Christian children were supposed to do, <laughs> getting married immediately, which I, I don't actually regret. I, I see people who are 19 years old now, and I'm like, you I cannot believe that I would tell anybody who was thinking about getting married at that age, are you crazy? Still, somehow, I, I, I'm glad that I did it. Uh, it's been magical, I love my life. But it's been quite a journey for us through the years and there's been a lot of deconstruction about really everything in life. In the last several years we've just deconstructed a lot about things like love and relationships and independence and sovereignty. And we decided in 2020 on our 20th anniversary, that after a lot of journeying and deconstructing and all of it, we, were, we didn't really know how to be romantic partners anymore in the traditional sense. We decided we would remain married for the foreseeable future. We would raise our kids together in the same house. Even if we stayed in different bedrooms, we would still work together, we'd strive to be best friends, to keep our love as alive for one another as possible. But we had found that when we tried to keep all those plates of our lives that we share together spinning while also trying to be romantic partners, it just simply became too much for us. You know, we wondered if maybe we just weren't compatible in that way anymore, maybe we didn't have similar enough definitions, expectations, philosophies of you know, what it would even mean to construct a container, a relational container that made sense to both of us, that we both could feel good about. Whatever the case, trying to understand it, trying to understand who we were to each other and what the relationship was as a, as a noun, as a category, we just couldn't figure out how to make it work. You know, that inability to figure out figure it out was causing a lot of dissonance and pain. So, on that beach that night, on our 20th anniversary, we decided to just try to focus on loving each other without having those nouns. Like, what do we, without having a traditional relational construct that we knew what it was? And let me tell you, it has been a wild and uh, painful ride the last couple of years. But we've both been learning a lot as you might imagine Uh, I know for me I've been learning some incredibly profound and beautiful lessons and practices in it the love hasn't been able to be so easily categorized and it's not so easy to go on autopilot with it you know like in not being able to easily categorize who Lisa is in my life into a ready-made predictable box or category I have to learn how to be actually like more present to her as she is now. As a person with Enneagram 5 tendencies to try to categorize and collect the entire universe into small, controllable mental constructs, uh, these little boxes that I use and put everything in, it's kind of how my ego likes to try to stay safe in the world. Um, I've often interacted with humans in the past, not as living, evolving expressions of the divine, but as almost like categories for my own selfish use. In my marriage, that sometimes looks like not seeing Lisa and even not seeing myself, not seeing our aliveness, our our active needs and desires, but instead of sort of resorting to these automatic unconscious scripts and expectations. So in these last couple years of having no constructs of a relationship or pre-constructed scripts or expectations of what a relationship like ours is, I didn't really have the choice except to figure out how can I love and interact with whoever Lisa is right now? And I found sometimes that's drastically different. Sometimes loving her may look cuddly and affectionate. Other times trying to just move in and be close may feel inappropriate and I might need to love by giving her space or silence. And of course, by the way, I don't think that one actually has to get rid of all your meaning-making constructs entirely to be able to live like this. I think you can use traditional meaning-making constructs while simultaneously staying present to the ever-changing livingness of someone. But sometimes those constructs just aren't available to you anymore, whether you like it or not. Going back to the God, when I lost my ability to believe in the God of my childhood, I mean, looking back, it didn't, didn't really feel like a choice. You know, I wasn't I wasn't like, a, you know, ugh, just let's just throw away that meaning-making device so I can love the infinite mysterious flux of all things. No, I was just like that meaning-making mechanism just kind of ran out of gas. I just couldn't do it anymore. So what do we do when that happens, when we lose our ability to make meaning? our ability to understand. What do you do when you can't put somebody or something in those boxes that feel easily controllable or understood, but you still know somehow that you love them, even if it doesn't make sense? Even when you can't figure it out, love who? What does it mean to love them? Sometimes you just love without being able to answer questions like that. Sometimes the answer to what is it that I love when I love my God is, (laughs) beats me. (laughs) I have no idea, but somehow I love whatever he, she, they, it is nonetheless. And that's what this new Gunger song, I Still Love You, that we're releasing this week, is about. I started writing it when I was in some of the deepest pain about Lisa and not knowing where to put her in my mind and not knowing what it looks like. What does the future look like? How do I make sense of any of this? I don't know, but I still love you. But in writing that, it also brought me back to that, my spirituality and remembering what it was like to be sort of freaked out about not being able to understand God, but somehow still finding this tremendous love for that which I couldn't even point to. I do not even know, what, what am I loving? I don't know, but here's this love. And I think ultimately that is the, the nature of love. It's not actually about the object. If it's about the object, the noun that you think you're loving, then it's a, a conditional love. That's a limited love, true love unconditional love, divine love, loves without constraint, without condition. The love that just says yes to all that is. And that kind of love, to let that love in, to let that rule the day can be very, very scary because then it leaves you in a place where you don't get to control the world so easily. You're going to have to surrender and that can feel like a sort of a death but on the other side of that death there's life the living being on the end of that love whether that's a person or nature or god or yourself whatever it is that's being witnessed and experienced gets to be loved completely as it is in that moment not not as a a role to fill or a box to fill, but simply because love loves. It's active. It just does what it does. And if you're in its line of sight, you're loved. (laughs) So I'd like to play you this song and I hope that as you listen to it, you'll allow yourself to feel the love within yourself, the love that you're made of, And if there's any part of your life that's hard to understand right now, if there's any part of your experience that you can't quite wrap your mind around, I know that can be scary and painful, but it can also be an invitation to really let that sort of love that is bigger than our conditional love have a place to thrive and grow and and be. So I'd love to invite you to let that love come out, to let it fill the entirety of your life in this moment. I don't know how, don't know why Any of this can be seen with these eyes Why does the sun fall each day While clouds hold the rain
0: And we fall in love and hold pain
1: words I scribble through space.